Good morning and welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike and I'm running late. Really late. Really late. I don't even know how it happened, but somehow... Somehow something told me the wrong time. I got way behind. Uh, yeah, so... If I get fired, I won't have to take this route every week, and you guys won't have to listen to me ramble. <laughs> I don't think I'll get fired. Um, <clears throat> but I really am running late. I may have to cut a few corners this morning. Prayers are appreciated, but of course you'll get this a week late, so. <laughs> so, how you guys doing? How's everything going in your... Nick of the Woods, is it Nick of the Woods or Neck of the Woods? In your neck of the woods, Nick of the Woods, Neck of the Woods. I don't even know how you say it. <clears throat> Pretty sure it's Neck of the Woods, but a lot of people say Nick when they mean Neck. Uh, yeah, so as per usual, uh, had my uh, Wednesday morning social media uh, um, theological disagreement uh, with, with my cousin. She challenges me a lot. She's uh, I don't know how to I don't know what spectrum to put her on. Like she's she's interesting. She she like me grew up in the Churches of Christ and also like me has has kind of rejected that tradition in many ways and and gone a different direction. She. Uh, I may, I don't want to misrepresent Susan, but she is probably in some kind of a big, uh, vaguely evangelical, but charismatic, charismatic leaning, uh, community church. Um, that's, that's the kind of, uh, impression I get led by a charismatic, passionate pastor. She talks a lot about her pastor and what he teaches. And, and uh, so it's still a, still a institutional or traditional type church in many ways, uh, but probably they would not be characterized as um, traditional as far as, you know, instruments and, and the type of music they do and they're probably trying to be a little edgy, uh, aka um, uh, you know Hillsong or or um, oh, what's another one? Kind of like what uh, uh, what's his name? Pastor from California who he's he's now in more like a house church or simple church or something like that cell church. Um, anyway, his name will come to me in a bit. Um, Chan is his last name. <laughs> I want to say Patrick Chan, but I know that's not true. Uh, that's not it. Um, anyway, you know, kind of like that edgy, you know, t-shirt wearing pastors and, you know, they wear jeans and try to be more uh, relevant uh, to the young people and and uh, you know 
that, 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 that's my impression, but I could be totally wrong. Um, she's good people, right? And I, I think she's probably in a really good church. Um, and and the, the one thing I would say where we differ the most is where the Bible sits in the grand scheme of things. You know, what is the Bible? What is the nature of the Bible? How is it written? Uh, what does it say? In what way is it authoritative? Uh, is it the Word of God or does it contain the words of God? You know, that's a discrepancy that I like to make. I think the Bible is uh, is a book that contains words of God for sure, but it also contains many words of man. Uh, ideas from God, but also ideas of man. And, and I think it's inspired, but it's not dictated. Most people read inspired equals dictated. I think Jesus breathes life into it and redeems it redeems anything good in it but he also reveals its shortcomings and and uh, what's the best way to say it um, um, I'm gonna be careful in the way I characterize it uh, it's places where people have misunderstood God but recorded that misunderstanding I believe that to be uh, contained in the Bible, and I think that's good. I think it it's fine. I don't think it's a problem when we have uh, mistakes recorded next to uh, good information. I, I think that's normal. I think that's what we would expect from any book, right? We would expect any author uh, of any genre to both... Uh, hit hit the nail on the head, but, you know, miss the nail from time to time. That's perfectly normal. The difference, of course, being that the experience of God inspired the writers to record what they saw. And so the Bible is first and foremost, I think, a recording of man's understanding of the divine and sometimes they got it right and sometimes they got it wrong but there it is nonetheless the wonderful thing is <clears throat> that now we can now that Jesus has been revealed to us Jesus becomes the way by which we find the truth throughout Scripture I know I've talked about this a lot. I just think it's so important. I don't, I don't think it's trivial. Um, I think I think there's much, much to ponder, uh, and I think going down this road is is a, a worthwhile journey for all. I've I've enjoyed it um, completely, except where it kind of brings me up against uh, my brothers and sisters or cousin in this case. <laughs> um, because I have a different view. Uh, I don't believe the Bible was dictated. Um, I believe the Bible is a puzzle uh, to solve, a, a code to be deciphered, and that Jesus is the key. Uh, he's the, he's the um, what do we call that? The cipher, yeah. He's the cipher that allows us to understand what was going on all along, you know, um, 
doesn't mean the Bible is untrue. I think the Bible is true in uh, as much as it reveals truly how people thought about God, what people thought about God, who they thought he was, what were his characteristics, and things like this. Um, <clears throat> so when John comes and says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God, and the Logos was with God, nothing was made that was not made through him, um, he's using this word logos and I'm not a Greek scholar um, I listen to people who know Greek better than I do and who have studied this better than I do um, better than I have <clears throat> um, and yes I, I trust their um, their ideas on this word logos because uh it makes the best sense in light of who Jesus is, right? It makes the best sense in light of who I know Jesus to be, who Jesus has revealed himself to be to me uh, in, in many ways, right? Whether it's in scripture uh, or whether it's through experiencing him in my life. Um, and so when we translate it to word, in the beginning was the word word is you know it it does keep it mysterious and that's important right it makes us wonder hmm, what could this mean but I'm not sure it's a good it's a good word <laughs> this is gonna get complicated I'm not sure it's the best word to express logos and in fact, I'm not sure there is a good word to express logos, and maybe that's why they chose something so vague. Um, because I think, in the end, logos is something that is so uh, all-encompassing, far-reaching, uh, and really humanly uh, largely inconceivable that anything we use is going to be metaphorical um, and it could not be otherwise, right? That's all we got at the end of the day is metaphor uh, to explain the, the phenomenon of the Christ, right? You got the wrong turning signal on, dude. What's going on here? Where are all these people coming from? I gotta get out of here. A lot of traffic this morning, it's really weird. Oh no, oh no. You know what? Yeah. I bet it's because we are in the middle of uh, of the Ibaraki games. We're hosting the national national sports uh, world, uh, not world, but Japan um, national sports tournament. I don't know what to say, but almost pre-Olympic. Uh, all Japan pre-Olympic tournament in our prefecture and we have a lot more people here than usual so I haven't seen this much traffic this time of morning in a long time um, so anyway let's see how it turns out so how do you how do you sum up how do you sum up 
somebody who's been there from the beginning, somebody who has created everything and everything was created through them, somebody who is equated with the most powerful being that exists. How do, you, how do you sum up that in a word? And funny enough, they chose word, right? In the beginning was the word. So I have a feeling that the article, the word, not a word, right? Um, has something to do with it. I've heard many, many takes on, on why um, word is important to use there. One of them I, I like a lot, actually, and it's it's that that the way of God is to to communicate, right? He communicates in order to partner with beings to realize His hope for the world. Okay, so His His leadership style, if you will is not force or coercion or threat or guilt. Um, it is communication, right? So in, instead of taking over people's bodies and making them uh, basically clones uh, or robots of himself, who automatically do everything right um, would be force, right? He would force people to do his will. Uh, but of course he doesn't do that. He communicates, right? He, he convinces, he persuades, he pleads, um, dare I say begs us to join in his uh, in his work, but he never forces. Okay, and he never uses violence or the threat of violence, uh, as shown in many many scriptures. Right, God is not violent, um, which is another reason why, you know, knowing that Jesus was a a staunch staunch non. Uh, violence uh, person, right? He did not believe in violence. He never told people to be violent. Um, and I'm talking actual, physical, doing things by force. Then I have to conclude, because Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God, um, and Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing, And the Father holds nothing from the Son, but tells him everything. Then I have to conclude that God cannot be violent either. And so that violence that is attributed to God in the Old Testament, there must be something else going on. And my conclusion is that the people witnessing violent events had a paradigm, a mistaken paradigm, a mistaken worldview that God is a controlling, forceful God. 
uh, much like the gods, the pagan gods around them, they contributed pagan attributes to, to the one true God. And so when they saw violence happening, they just assumed that God either did it or uh, condoned it or uh, actually assigned it, right? And that's, what, that's how they recorded the violent actions in the Bible. The problem with that is uh, that means that God was forcing people, even killing people, even murdering people, uh, and he would never allow us to do that. Therefore, he would never allow himself to do that. And that's called integrity. Uh, and that's the Jesus I know. And so that's the God I know. And so the Bible must contain mistaken witness of the actions of God. It must. And, and all it means is they didn't understand what was going on, but their paradigm made them consider and then accept that God was acting, that God was to blame. And then on the other hand, you have leadership who wanted to um, justify their actions, the evil things that they did in the world, and they just said, God made me do it. God told me to do it. God told us to do it. We're doing God's will. This is how God wanted it done. Uh, at the end of the day, the book becomes very, very much a human book. Right? The Bible becomes more human on one hand. But on the other hand, it's redeemed in Jesus. And without Jesus, uh, the Bible, the Old Testament I'm speaking of right now, but I would, I would include... And I've talked about this before, but I would I would include the New Testament and also probably other holy books out there. Uh, Jesus can make sense of them in a way uh, that reveals his true character. Uh, but also knowing his true character reveals what those books are actually saying. Um, and this is super important, right? I mean, I don't know how to how to express to you how important I think knowledge of God is, right? What do we know of God? Who is he? What does he do? What does he not do? Uh, what does he love? What does he not love? Um, the, these, these kinds of questions speak to the character of God, right? What kind of God is he? Is he like the gods of Egypt and Mesopotamia? Uh, is he like Molech and uh, Baal? Is, is that the kind of God he is? Or is he decidedly other, completely holy and set apart from those types of gods? A God that is so good that he would never kill, never destroy, and never steal from mankind. Ever. He wouldn't do that. That's not his character. That's not who he is. However, he communicates with, he pleads. He's constantly communicating with us now. 
yes, he uses the Bible, but he uses the earth, the world, everything communicates to us to join in his love-fueled regeneration of this planet. Join his mission to bring heaven to earth, otherwise known as the kingdom of God. Um, it just it just can't be overstated. I don't think. Like I don't I don't know how you'd do that. Um, and he's he's eternally patient. He's eternally kind. And eternally loving and eternally forgiving and that can't ever change a friend of mine uh, two friends of mine actually two two people who I brought together and uh, um, who got married I was supposed to do their wedding but that's I was sick I think I talked about that in a formal podcast their first son was just born yesterday. Um, and it was a very difficult, painful process to bring him in the world. Speaking of the pregnancy and then the delivery, uh, which ended in C-section. Um, but at the end of the day, all of that pain and suffering and just outright uncomfortableness and you know, there's some fear and there's some trepidation. At the end of the day, literally yesterday, at the end of the afternoon, uh, I think at 4.07 or 4.08, I can't remember the time, they gave birth to their beautiful baby boy. And that's that just feels like what's happening in this earth right now, that we haven't made, you know, yes, we're born into this earth and one day we're reborn into the kingdom of God, right? But everything that happens in this earth feels to me like birth pangs. And I think, I think maybe that's what Paul was referring to, right? The, the, since the beginning, this earth has been groaning as in, as in birth pangs, right? Um, that everything and all the pain and suffering that's happened in this world will, will one day, we will be truly born and, and that will be uh, what we call uh, heaven on earth, right? And it happens to an extent now and it will happen um, after our first death, our, our, when, our, when our corrupt bodies die, we will take another step into there. But it can happen now as well, right? But why would we think that all of this pain and suffering uh, is just going to... Um, why, why wouldn't we consider the fact that maybe all this pain and suffering means that we're going to be born one day uh, just like that beautiful baby boy and that happens after our first death right after our bodily death 
then life truly begins, right? Uh, and to me, I've been talking about hell a lot lately. I, I think one way I could, I could put hell into that equation would be that hell is like a, a, a prolonged, painful delivery. It's the delivery process, right? Uh, some of us go through the delivery here on earth, right? We, we endure the pain and suffering of coming to the end of ourself so that, so that we may be born here and now and be a beacon of hope to those around us who are still uh, in that process of being born, still, still in the, the pain and the suffering. Um, we've always assumed, mostly because we're, we're of the flesh, right? It's, it's hard for us to let go of this flesh. We've always assumed that this life is, is the test to, to pass or fail. If you find Jesus in this life, you pass, you go on to eternal bliss. Uh, if you fail to find Jesus, uh, or if Jesus fails to find you in this life, you fail and you go to eternal punishment, right? Uh, I think it just misunderstands um, way too much. I don't think it, it fails to grasp um, and correctly understand the phases that we all go through and we assume that they all have to happen while we're still physically alive in this corrupt body right um, I know I'm rambling a little bit here and it's a difficult subject and, and I would like to think I'll make better sense of it one day but I, I may not you know I'm just struggling and wrestling with um, all of this uh, that probably will never stop um, but I will tell you that all of the struggling and the wrestling uh, have had have had an effect on me uh, and <clears throat> Jesus now shines brighter and purer he is the epitome of goodness and righteousness in every way. Uh, he is more beautiful uh, than he ever was to me when I believed that he was capable of murder, uh, of racism, of slavery. Um, now that I know that he's not capable of those things, that he never did those things and he never commanded those things he is a much more beautiful God he he's the God I always you know I always needed I always wanted but I didn't know right he's the God that the world needs exactly no more none less there's no duplicity in him the big mistake is not in him the big mistake was when our is it, was in our perception of him. We perceived him to be more like Satan in some ways than to actually be the good God that I know he is now. 
and that changes everything. Changes everything. Um, and I can't tell you how important that change is, how much relief it brings, how much joy it brings. Um, it takes the burden off instead of making the burden heavier. And why wouldn't that be our rubric? Why wouldn't we use that uh, as a sign to whether we understand Jesus or not? Does your perception of who the divine is cause you more burden, fear, or trepidation? Or does it remove the burden of fear and trepidation? Does it increase your will to follow law? Or does it increase your joy to know how forgiven, how forgiven you are? I mean, there, there are many verses, right? I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Come to me, all you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Right? Do you feel like your understanding of the vine today gives you rest? Does it give you peace? Or are you still carrying a heavy burden of trying to, to live up to, to please, uh, to entertain uh, some more pagan version of God? I tell you, if Jesus is not utterly and stunningly beautiful, uh, not in the way the world sees beauty, but in a way that only Jesus, in a beauty that only Jesus can express, that surpasses understanding. Uh, if that's the Jesus you see, then then you will be lifted. You will be you will, you will be raised up with Him. Truly, you will be resurrected with Him. Uh, but so many of our misperceptions of God are heavy burdens that that keep us in the grave. So, yeah, um, whether you believe what I've said or not, I hope you believe that I believe it. Uh, and, and that we can continue to have this conversation. That would make me happy. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to cut this short. I am flying by the seat of my pants. I'm maybe going to be on time, though. I don't know. Wow, that's close. We'll see. Um, anyway, yeah, thank you guys, and uh, have a great day. Um, and as always, please, please comment. Go to our Facebook page, uh, Driving Theology, on Facebook. Uh, leave a comment, leave a question. Uh, please 
disagree with me, uh, whatever. I'd like to hear from you. Um, maybe I guess I have to do some kind of a drawing or raffle to get you guys' attention. I don't know what it's going to take, but, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe give away. Uh, maybe I could uh, sell Absolution um, as a as an incentive. So. So I promise that uh, if you guys will comment or, or leave questions or, or uh, you know, do something uh, just to keep this conversation relevant so I know if I'm, you know, doing good or, or, or just babbling, um, I, I, I offer you this. You are absolved of all your sins. Uh, <laughs> Jesus has paid for them all. Uh, not only did he pay for them, he destroyed the system that required them of you, that required uh, penance from you, required um, punishment. He's destroyed that entire system, which was never made of God, but was made of uh, evil spirits and or humans. Uh, that system is dead and gone. He killed that system. And so you are absolved of all your sins uh, now and evermore. Uh, so yeah, now you can comment. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.